Welcome to the Sixers Mania podcast. Joining me is Sam Giovanni, who I've traded five second round picks for, and along with Justin Maltz. Sam, how are you doing? I'm feeling good. I'm happy to be uh, good enough to be traded for five second round picks instead of just two or three. And Maltz. Good I traded him. And, and, and oh, I thought Maltz took it down a little bit. but Well, that, we had to get off the contract. You know? uh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I'm good. It was a... Uh, Pretty crazy trade deadline. Of course, the biggest trade had to go down while most people, including myself, was uh, asleep. But uh, certainly a big move. And leading up to it, I feel like the bigger ones kind of got out of the way first. But that was such like a unique yeah. situation. But overall, pretty good trade deadline, I would say. It was entertaining. Yep. We will, of course, be discussing the trade deadline mostly. We're going to talk about a lot of other teams. The Sixers had a pretty quiet deadline. Uh and there was the Celtics game. There was a few other games that were played, but I don't really feel like touching on them. Uh, but vibes aren't great in Sixers land, but let's talk about the rest of the league. Um, it seems like every pot I oscillate from either being way too high on this. They just do the opposite. So I'm hoping this will cause a resurgence because I was pretty optimistic last pot, even with uh, one of the bad Magic games. But anyway, we'll start off with the biggest, probably the best player in the history of the trade deadline to be traded. I've I don't think there's ever been... Uh, you know, forgive my NBA history, but I feel like it's always an off-season thing. And uh, that's, of course, Kevin Durant. He was traded to the Phoenix Suns, as many know, for, what was it, four first-round picks? And then Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and... Jay oh, Jay Crowder, right. The Mr. Holdout. Um, I, I'll let you go first. What did you think of the return? Um, probably about as good as it could have gotten for the situation. I'm very surprised that they didn't try to like retool around him for the season and then evaluate him. For, it seems like, like he did not forward. want that just from reports like that. He apparently worked with the ownership. Maybe they wanted to salvage the relationship. I don't know what for, because he's going to be gone and like KD seems to be his own thing, but anyway, continue. Yeah. I mean, I think again, just such a weird situation where they just had to blow it up so quickly because everything was going to shit after seemingly everything was fine, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they got the picks that they got. Um, Mikhail Bridges is like this returning is like pretty good. Like he's obviously, you know, Kevin Durant, but he's still a very good young player. Cam Johnson, same thing. Um, I, it's, you know, you're going to lose a trade like this every single time mm-hmm. because you're not going to get the value that you're going to get for Kevin Durant, even as old and injury prone as he is. He's still like one of the very best players we have in the league. So I thought the Suns, or the Nets ended up doing pretty fine. I'm very interested to see um, how far they fall, if at are, if Cam um, Thomas is still going to go off for 40 points every yeah, night. Yeah, when he averages um, 40 a game, it's kind of hard yeah. to so I, better I score than Cam. Yeah, I feel like they did fine. Again, getting Mikhail Bridges was pretty big. Um, getting, you know, a bunch of picks. I think they got a pick swap, like, later on down the line. Um, again, you don't win deals like this, but I feel like they did fine enough, especially considering that this was, like, not a long time coming. Like obviously, he requested the trade yeah. in the offseason, but then they they put that aside and made amends. Maybe going to get moved at all, and then it just turned on a dime like that. So, yeah, tough situation for them. So I think a lot of people are criticizing the Nets, and I'm going to do it as well, but for reason that I didn't see get brought up. So I think they could have just waited until the, th- this is not the point I'm bringing. I'll get to that later. But I think they could have just waited until the offseason. You'd probably get a better return. It's a little easier to make trades. Uh, you know, things just change in the offseason. I feel like teams get more desperate. A lot of teams think they're going to make their, their run now rather than later. I just thought there would be more suitors. You know, I guess, like I said in the beginning, maybe it was to salvage that relationship with Durant. 
uh, he did right by them by extending long term and allowing them to get anything rather than doing what Kyrie did and essentially holding them hostage. Yeah. Um, but here is, I think, the biggest flaw of this. So as I mentioned, we don't see people like this get traded at the deadline. And he is he's the best player to ever been traded at the deadline. Rudy Gobert arguably got traded for just as much. And you might be saying like, oh, well, like, what do you want them to do about it? Here's my thing. They have the worst contract in the NBA. His name is Ben Simmons. He is one of the worst players in the NBA at this point. I'm full on turning on him, uh, even more so than when he was on the Sixers. He's the worst player in the NBA. It was like the joke uh, Dietrich used to make. It was second pod in a row we're referencing Dietrich, but like about attaching Jason Tatum to Gordon Hayward's contract as a sweetener. But like this, they actually should have done because you're never, when you're trading one of the five best players in the league, you're going to get nowhere close to the return. So you might as well dump the worst contract in the history of the NBA and a guy that's clearly never going to work in Brooklyn. Dump that in addition. And like, why couldn't have Aiton been, I, I don't want Aiton and Claxton, but you could have told the Suns like, hey, you got to include Aiton and reroute him to a third team. Uh, because we want more value. This is Kevin Durant. It just doesn't seem like they were very responsible in looking at every other suitor. I think they wanted to trade him to the West. Like I could, I honestly could argue the Sixers would have a better package with Maxi and Tobias and whatever picks they had, Matisse and whatever picks they have remaining. Right now, the Nets are just a roster with the worst contract in the NBA and Ben Simmons. Cam Thomas is a nice young piece, and then Nick Claxton is very good, and a bunch of players that are like awesome role players for title contending teams, but they don't have anyone who's close to being the star. And that's going to be hard to acquire. They don't have the draft picks because of the hardened trade. And they, the draft picks they now have are presumably going to be late. We'll see. Maybe that Suns pick in a few years when Chris Paul retires. Maybe Kevin Durant falls off. Who knows? Maybe that's a good thing. But I don't see the Nets' path to a star, and I think they really just handicapped themselves from doing this trade and that's why they needed to get rid of ben simmons to free up salary cap space and like i i don't think if ben simmons was included i don't think they'd be like oh well now we're not going to give you an extra first round pick because this guy's in here it's like you're getting kevin durant i know durant probably doesn't want to play with ben and that was probably another thing but they just needed to do what was best for them and that was to attach ben simmons to kevin durant because there's no other way you'd come even close to getting the same value i think that's the only way you could do it I think Ben could have definitely been rerouted. I do remember seeing, I think, Christian Winfield of the Daily News said something about Durant not liking Ben. So I guess if, like, the Nets not wanting, the Nets wanting to do right by Kevin meant not, you know. Including, yeah, but what if it was, if there was a third team team. Like, there are teams like the Spurs who could have easily taken all of his, like. Yeah, and if I was the Spurs, maybe, maybe Brett Brown's inside of information, but, uh, and doesn't want him. But, like, the Rockets, I actually think the Rockets could use Ben Simmons because their entire team is just a bunch of, like, ball don't stop, like what's just hoopers Hooper's paradise yeah right like like putting ben would actually help those te- that team out but yeah like a team like the rockets i don't know i mean they passed on before so maybe once again that's another team that wasn't too interested but i it just it i thought it was irresponsible by the nets to a not include ben simmons which maybe that was a little harder than i'm making it out to be but but definitely not getting Aiton involved either to a third team or just just taking him and being like whatever we got claxton and we'll figure it out Right. Yeah. Um. Sorry for Mikhail Bridges, uh, but you know, Philly legend. We're they're essentially assembling the the hypothetical Sixers from a few years ago with uh between Simmons, Curry, and and Mikhail Bridges. But and they're throwing uh, all the another trade we'll get into. I'm sure later all the Villanova players in New York. 
Yeah, you want to talk about that now? Because I didn't have that listed, so I think I might forget about it. Seems weird to talk about that before Kyrie, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Um, loved loved the Josh Hart trade, honestly, for the Knicks. I thought yeah, pretty good deal. I, th- I thought the Knicks had a pretty good deadline as uh, in as a whole. I know they didn't do a whole ton, but uh, you know they're adding solid pieces. They're not. They didn't really give up anything. It felt like to me. You're you're a uh, I joke that you're a Sixers fan, but you're actually a Knicks fan. So, what was your thoughts? This was great, man. It was a great trade for them. I mean, when you you know they they got off of the one guy they kind of wanted to. It felt like they you know yes. would have taken Derrick Rose off the books for the right deal, but he's also Tibbs's guy, even though he doesn't really play. So wasn't expecting him to get traded. Cam Reddish though, like for the value, I thought he could have brought on the court. Like Tom Thibodeau disagreed, he put him on the bench, and now they're getting you know one of the. Um, I was going to say better defensive guards. I don't know if that's technically right, but they're getting a good defensive guard in Josh Hart, who is definitely an upgrade. I've seen some stuff about like, not like reports, but just discussions about like, should he start? And he shouldn't, he should come off the bench. But for what he brings, like the defense, the rebounding abilities, the shooting, if it, you know, gets up there again, like for what they gave up, they gave up a pick that's like, I think lottery protected and it turns into a bunch of second round picks if it doesn't convey. So, and and if, like if you're the Knicks, you only care about those those top end picks, you know. Like, right, and even if it does pick. convey, it's not a super valuable pick. Like they have so many that they could afford to make a trade like this. The, the only bad thing is that Hart is um, free agent after the year, but they are trying to be competitive. They found a great, you know, a f- former teammate of yeah their stars. I saw the video of Brunson. It was literally the night he got his jersey retired at Nova, and he was like so happy to see um, great video created. So. Yeah, it was a great video and overall great move by them. Like it, again, it like will probably bump out Deuce McBride from the rotation, which as terrible trade, I take it all. We back. are, yeah, I know we're not happy about that particularly, but I mean they landed an upgrade for a very very fair um, price. So the there is the danger of him leaving this off season, but you know Crosser I don't think he's going to get, get a there huge contract for now. Yeah, but for now, like for the rest of the season, fantastic trade. Yeah. It, Cost next to nothing. I, I thought Portland just had a weird deadline as a whole. Yeah. Um. That, that that's basically all. Uh, we'll get into one part of it later because it includes one of our guys. But mm-hmm. uh, I'll leave it at that for the for the Knicks uh, with the Josh Hart trade. But yeah, they gave up essentially nothing. And uh, anyway, we'll move on. You know, this has basically been the New York podcast so far. Not that anyone cares about the Nets, but we're going to talk about Kyrie next. Um, so my thoughts on, on the Kyrie situation changed and I'll, I'll ask you about it in a sec, but I remember when Kyrie was on the nets, I thought it was going to be either Dallas, uh, Phoenix or the Lakers. And I thought Phoenix was actually a perfect destination because they could just trade Chris Paul. Uh, of course they ended up getting Kevin Durant. So I wonder if that factored into it, if they were like, all right, because they were apparently interested in Kyrie and then. They pivoted to Kevin Durant. I thought Kevin Durant wasn't going to get traded just for all the reasons I mentioned. It looked like, the, and there was a report even indicating this, that the Nets did initially intend on retooling the team around KD, and that's why they took Mavericks offer, because you're getting a guy like Finney Smith, a guy like Dinwiddie, who are both very good role players for a contending team, and they're taking that over the more you know picks-laden package in, in the Lakers offer. Um, you know, and... You know, who knows, maybe KD didn't like Chris Paul, so maybe that was a reason they, weren't, they wouldn't have done that. But I don't know who pulled out first between the Nets and the and uh, the Suns on the on Chris Paul for Kyrie, hypothetically. But 
I just thought it was a interesting trade to make, especially after the Durant trade. Another reason why I thought it was sort of irresponsible. I would have taken, I honestly would have taken the Lakers package because you're getting an expiring that's going to free up a ton of cap space in Westbrook, and you would have gotten what it seems like two first round picks. Um, and I believe that to be more valuable than Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and a pick from the Mavs, who I do think are going to be uh, at least a top four team this year. Who knows with what happens with Kyrie in the following years? But um, I don't know. What were your thoughts on the Kyrie deal? Um, it was very interesting. I thought they surprisingly got like a good amount of value for what was just a completely untenable situation. Like obviously Kyrie is super talented, but with the drama that he brings, the injury concerns that he always has, and the fact that like he was leaving no matter what, like they made out with two pretty good players in draft compensation. I think Dorian Finney-Smith gives them the chance to flip him at the um, in the offseason, and maybe that gives them a better draft pick than the Lakers picks in four or five years. I do agree, like, yeah, but but the picks are more. You can't bank on on trading Finney Smith. I, for, at first round picks, no matter where they are, are always going to be wanted, even if it's the Lakers picks. And and the Lakers picks are so far out that with aging LeBron and and uh, Davis, who who might be retired, I I have no idea after that last Laker. Like genuinely, uh, is he good anymore? I don't know. Uh, you know, they also just trade for D'Angelo Russell, who's terrible. But we'll get into that next. Uh, I don't know. I think, I mean, what interested me was, like, it was a trade that didn't say, I mean, I guess it's, like, they weren't going to get, like, anything that, like, signaled they were totally rebuilding, aside from, like, maybe Josh Green, if they were really, like, training with the Mavs, but obviously he's been, like, really mm-hmm. good. He's also told they weren't going to give him up easily. Um, but getting Dinwiddie back, who's pretty good during Yeah, but things, they just have a bunch of meh players. It's like, right, it, that's, who's I, the best player, Mikhail Bridges or Claxton? I mean, Mikael Bridges definitely, but I'm saying like at, once they made the Kyrie trade first, I'm like, okay, maybe they'll just, you know, try to retool. Like they have enough role players where, you know, if Durant, he's been great in the playoffs before, like maybe they just want to try to be competitive. Like Dinwiddie's not a star, but he's like a, a tier or two below that. Like I thought they had enough, like definitely a tier players. or two. I would oh, say right. maybe two or three. All right. But he's a good he, player. He, yeah. Right. You get what I'm saying? Like he's a good player and that they just had, I figured even if they didn't make any more trades, it had enough like good depth to surround Kevin Durant with and maybe go on a, um, you know, try to make a playoff run. Obviously they didn't, they, you know, have started. That, and that's why I don't like it. It, it. They should have known what they were doing with Durant, the much more valuable piece before. Don't let Kyrie dictate things. Let, let Durant dictate Durant. That That is fair. Yeah. But. So, I mean, and, and for the Mavs, um, they, you know, this is either going to drive Luca very quickly out the door, or it's going to be one of the most surprising things that worked in recent NBA history. Like all the shit. I think it's going to work offensively. I don't oh know. no, definitely. I think, but I mean, the fact that like anything can happen with Kyrie, the fact that he might leave and go to the Lakers or Suns this off season, that, that, that's true. Like it's it's such a high risk, high reward move. And I think watching Kyrie and Luca together is going to be so much fun. They are going to be great, and they are definitely going to cover up any defensive concerns that they have because they're just so good individually and i feel like together they're also they're still gonna be very good i don't buy the whole like luca can't be an off-ball guy like yeah maybe he's not gonna be like the best like off-ball shooter or whatever but he's also never seen anyone worthy i mean you could argue brunson but even brunson like he's not real he's not this ball whatever he's not Kyrie. yeah exactly right like he he never really had someone who was worthy of like giving the ball to and like letting them cook while he tries to you know pull the defense elsewhere aside from like jalen brunson in the playoffs last year when he got really hot like aside from that like even porzingis not the same at all so right. i think on the court it can work out pretty well and 
if they end up signing Kyrie long term, like you know, it's still risky. It's Kyrie. It's going to be risky no matter what. But I'm, I'm very. I don't think there's that much risk to it. If I'm if I'm being honest, they have Luca. I think Luca. I don't think it's going to drive Luca out. I think that's. You know, well, I, I mean, like if he leaves, then they're just, you know, they I feel like they gave up. I didn't think they gave up that much is I guess what I'm saying. And and even. All right. So let's say Kyrie leaves. That That's still a huge contract off the books. There's not anyone else really worthy of extending to that big of money, nor is anyone making that that much money. They're going to have a ton of cap space with now. I know cap space could be fool's gold sometimes, but a ton of cap space with Luka Doncic at the helm. Like you're going to get and it's Dallas. People go there all like want to go there. It's pretty. Uh, I guess underrated free agent destination historically. Um, you know they they've always been involved in with all these guys. Uh, have they always gotten them? No, maybe. But you know how many teams are going to have this much cap space and how and no teams have a Luka Doncic uh, to to play with. How badly do people want to play with Luka Doncic? That remains to be seen. But it seems like he'd be a fine player to play with. Um, I understand that some of the concerns to ball dominant guys. I mean, I think we've seen in the in past it works, and and obviously the concerns with Kyrie are that he's Kyrie, not not as much Yonkor stuff. Um, they weren't defending anyone anyway. I don't really care that they gave up Finney Smith. Josh Green's been awesome. I think he can just step up in that role. It's essentially you're going from Dinwiddie to Kyrie. Kyrie's a significantly better player. Kyrie's become, I believe, underrated as a player because people hate him so much off the court and uh, just several other things. I don't know. I think. Boston fans still just hate him so that that is a, a prevailing thought and you know he, he has burned a lot of bridges so I understand the hate towards him but I think it's mostly directed towards him as a person more so than him on the court I think they're going to be a top 14 before I thought they were a top three team but I do think the Suns to, to me I guess we didn't we should have mentioned this at the time do you think the Suns are the best team in the West because I do I, I know they're a little lower in the standings but yeah Kevin Durant yeah, definitely they are. I, I was thinking like pre pre deadline. I have to like think like how they have Kevin Durant. Yes, yeah. definitely. with him. Yeah, with Booker, they, they weren't before, still... but Booker's coming back or he is back and KD. Like, absolutely. Yeah, that, they, that's yeah. another thing about um, both of those teams making that. Oh, they got TJ Warren too. I should mention the the Suns yeah. and yeah, but now like now. this is the year to contend. Like the West is as open as it's been in. Because I don't buy the like, Grizzlies or the Nuggets as this right. They're yeah. good, but they're not like running away with the conference good. And obviously, you make a trade for Kevin Durant, no matter what. And if you even if you're the Mavs, if you're a little desperate, Kyrie makes sense. Even if you know, regardless of what the other teams are, but this was definitely the right trade deadline to go all in if you're a Western Conference team because yeah, and that's why I like it. Kind of implode, and the Nuggets still are very you know vulnerable. So yeah, yeah. Nuggets maybe a team. I don't know, you know, what their thoughts were. I think that one might have would have been an interesting Kyrie team. I know the like vibes are good, and you know maybe you don't want that there. But a lot of the reason why I don't trust the Nuggets is aside from Jokic, like I'm, I don't know, I don't trust Porter. I don't trust Mur- Murray was great in the bubble, but it's been a while. He's coming. He's been injured since then. You know, not like I, not to go all in on the Nuggets, I, but MPJ and Kyrie would have been best friends though. Oh, they exactly. You get two best best friends with oh, yeah. uh, they get Similar so many interests. conspiracies. Oh my <laughs> god, it would be legendary. But that's uh, also funny. Why Dallas is a good space for for Kyrie too. There's plenty of, uh, for him to dig there. Yeah, and and I know Ted Cruz was a huge like he was uh, campaigning yeah, Ted, for him to join the Rockets. Rockets I, I don't yeah. know how he feels. He got about, him in Texas. He so got him in Texas though. So he is a winner of that at least. Right. Uh, I saw all the tweets talking about how he's going to be like out uh, by the grassy knoll with like a protractor, like yeah. t- like one doing his own JFK investigation. So <laughs> I, I really. 
Dan Crenshaw, I don't know. I think he's from Texas, the eye patch guy. Yeah, I have no idea where. But either way, all the Texas, yeah, all the Texas people. I'm sure, like, he's one of the few guys along with Jonathan Isaac that they were pining to get, and they got one. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, Jonathan Isaac's on another level. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Um, I think uh, you know, the Lakers did pivot, which is what we're gonna talk about next. Um. You know, I know everyone's talking about the Lakers, but I actually thought the Lakers did have a very interesting deadline just from the fact that how active they were and like it wasn't really Lakersy is is what I would say, which might be a, a good thing. Um very on Rob Polinka like deadline. Right. Um so they traded Westbrook. I mean, people know they traded Westbrook. Uh Westbrook was a horrend I I think Westbrook is actually surprise, surprise. I think he's underrated. Uh not incredibly. He's definitely I don't want to say cooked, but he's he's at least half cooked. Um, he's not the player he once was, not even close. But he was one of the worst fits with LeBron of any player we've seen. I don't think him coming off the bench was really helpful. Even in that last game against the Thunder, you know, people called it garbage time, but I think they did make it a three-point game. He, he, had, he was probably the second-best player that game, and, and he wasn't very good. It's just that the, I felt like he was scapegoated for a, a lot of things there. But there were issues with Westbrook there. I'm not going to deny that. I and I don't mean to make this all about Westbrook. But, uh, of course, in, in just they added Mo Bamba, too, separately. That, they also got rid of Thomas Bryant. I think that might be a wash. But uh, they did add uh, D'Angelo Russell, who I think is terrible. So, kind of similar to Westbrook, actually, in like why I think they're terrible. Except D'Lo can shoot. And I think he can play off ball, which yes. will be much more beneficial with LeBron. Um, and... Beasley, great player to have with LeBron. Uh, unlike Patrick Beverly, he's like if Patrick Beverly could actually shoot. And Jared Vanderbilt, who is probably the headline and the guy that the Sixers were targeting, uh, who I, I don't want to say is underrated because I think like NBA Twitter loves the hell out of him, but underrated by the masses. I don't think a ton of people have been watching Jared Vanderbilt. Very interesting four slash five. Uh, does a lot of things. Very interesting player. Uh, what did you think of the Lakers deal? Of course, they gave up Westbrook in first for all that, but they really went quantity over quality, I guess I would say. Well, I, you know, people think Westbrook's cooked, but I would still say it's quantity over quality and in a good way, though. Yeah, I, I agree. They they made up pretty well in that deal. I think that D'Lo, I mean, I guess for you at least it's arguable if D'Lo or Russ is better, but I feel like D'Lo, for the fact that he's like, a pretty good shooter definitely fits better with them. And well, he also doesn't really look like he gives a shit about basketball, which fits right in with Anthony Davis. So, and the rest of the team, as evident by that Thunder. I know there's been other games, but uh, I fully anticipate D'Lo not trying and maybe ratting on his teammates about their affairs. We'll we'll see. Interesting to have him back in LA, but go continue. But they yeah they added him and then they added two other guys to their rotation: Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley. Beasley's going to come up and be like you know really good shooter, really good floor spacer, which, you know, I'm sure they really need Vanderbilt. Like he was very sought after and getting him, you know, I feel like he's going to fit right in with their defensive identity. So they made out very, very well in that trade. They did give up one of their picks. It was interesting, like because Rob Polenko was being so conservative about those two picks and he was like, oh, we can't trade them. Like they're so important for him to like then use it on like these three guys who are good players, but none of them are stars was kind of only used one though. 
he'll right he did use one but like it's weird to see how he like you know the, these two picks are a precious draft capital we have to make sure we make the right move with them and i think this was like a good move but it's just like looking at it from that perspective i think you can kind of question it but in a vacuum i think they came out of this trade much better and yeah considering the other picks like or trades that they made too like this one definitely makes them better I think generally quality is like you want top end talent. You want the best top end talent. And I know like, yeah, I might be alone in the, in this Westbrook top end talent. I think it was more so with a fit thing, but the Lakers were so bad outside of, you know, you could even say outside of LeBron because, you know, Davis has been good earlier in the year. He's back from injury and he looks like he doesn't care about basketball anymore, which is fine. But like, I don't think they're a title contender or whatever, but they were so bad that you even see a guy like Rui Hachimura, who was kind of like, irrelevant in D- in dc uh, that might be too strong of a word but he was arguably their third best player for a little bit he's been pretty good since he's been getting there you just see what nba players can do for them and not like patrick beverly who i don't think is really an nba player at this point russell westbrook who's certainly on the downside of his career i still think he was a good player but a horrendous fit with lebron instead they added a bunch of guys that fit very well with lebron and uh are definitely NBA players. D'Lo, I still hate, but he's an NBA player. I think it, it was interesting. Um, but, and, and Mo Bamba, I do think he's an upgrade over Thomas Bryant. I've, I'm glad we didn't have a podcast during that draft because the people would have seen how high I had him on my board. But Bamba is, I would say, like an interesting project. He never really got a, sh- he never really got a chance in Orlando. Uh, I think it's it's a solid team. I think they're, I don't I don't think they're one of the top four, and I don't think they're a title contender at all. But I think they're at least a playoff team, which is better than what they were, where they were treading. Um, you know, but they did just lose to the Isaiah Joe led Oklahoma City Thunder, of course. So mm-hmm. you know, most notable thing to happen of that night, of course. And I also I think- can't think of anything else. Yeah, me neither. Um, I have to see like what their contract situation is, but that this does at least give them a little more youth. Like all the guys they got are like relatively young, so maybe they have to resign some of them. But they're not, and none of them are getting a crazy contract, and those are all easily movable. Like unless they right. D'Lo somehow commands thirty million on the open market, I can't imagine he does. But like all of them are going to get mid-sized contracts, I think. And uh, right. and and I know Vanderbilt's under contract for another year for pretty cheap. That was part of the reason. Uh, his value was so high, maybe part of the reason why the Sixers didn't didn't get him after all. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I thought it was the and in terms of the other trade, like people always talk about who wins the trade. I thought the other teams were fine too. Like I think Diallo is terrible, so getting Mike Conley for the Timberwolves, I think that was probably the worst end of the deal. But getting Mike Conley instead of Diallo is more of a stabilizing force. That clearly is a weird situation in in Minnesota between Diallo, Cat, and and. Gobert were just, you know, I all, I would argue all three of those guys should not be on the same team. Now they only have two of three of those guys, so interesting. Uh, I think Conley helps out a little bit with the offense in terms of running it through Cat and running it through, I don't want to say running it through Gobert, but make it, run, giving it to the bigs and uh, facilitating a little bit more, maybe alleviating some of the concerns. But uh, the Timberwolves are still probably going to be irrelevant, so I wouldn't care too much. And then the Jazz, of course. They get Westbrook, who they're just going to buy out. I, I cannot imagine Westbrook doesn't get bought out, especially given his history in Utah. I don't think the fans want him. I don't think he wants it. Well, I know he doesn't want it. Um, And then they get the first-round pick, and they're they're a tanking team. I know they're technically in the play-in right now. I think they're the 10 seed, but they're tanking. So 
good for them. Uh, they get a first round pick for for Vanderbilt uh, and Beasley, who were just in the Go Bear trade. At least one of them was. Yeah, I think they could have gotten a little bit more. They gave up like three really key players. I think three starters, if not three starters, like guys that play a lot. So getting they're going to get worse. Completely yeah. like opening up trade, you know, playing minutes for some of the younger guys is pretty good. Like they definitely are going to take the tanking route i just feel like they could have gotten a little bit more but also like they didn't give up any like legitimate stars they're trying to be worse and and like Uh, you're not getting anyone you're keeping long they don't have any long-term pieces except i guess some people would say laurie markinen uh i'm still not really a believer walker kessler but he's like a yeah walker kessler yeah but i I think centers are so replaceable i would be even even as good as he's been been i i wouldn't want to give him a huge deal anyway yeah down the line he's year one into He's got four, three more years until they have to worry about that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think just when you're in that stage, you should just be accumulating first round picks and trying to suck, and they accomplished that. So I thought it was it was a great deal for all teams. It was very interesting. Some of these teams, like you know, I think I still think who wins the trade is stupid, but some of these things, I think there's always def- definite definitive winners and losers. Uh, oftentimes, like you know, I would say the Nets were definitive losers of the deadline. Now, granted, when you're two best players ask out kind of problematic mm-hmm. uh but they were still losers with how they handled it um and uh for westbrook uh i know this isn't really something anyone cares about besides maybe me so we'll we'll limit it but you think clippers right like the, well they traded for bones so they obviously are different players. right that, that's the only I thing could, i think through a wrench I, I could still see it like you they know. were still Bones comes off guards. the bench. He came off the bench for Denver, so I can see them. You know, still playing. I, I see Westbrook someone who gets like the downhill bench more for for oh. uh, the Clippers. But yeah. obviously, Paul George had the best year of his career with him. I think there's conflicting reports. I think Kawhi did not want him when they were forming this Clippers team. Uh, I think there was a possibility, yeah. both of them. Uh, so I I don't really know, but that's been the team he's linked to. I've seen Miami too. I, I it really is a shame for Westbrook, who I, of course one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, clearly not as good anymore i'm not not afraid to admit it but i i really don't know which kind of teams he's helped i think you know i think people were wrong when they were saying he's not a winning player throughout most of his career but i think at this point he's he really a lot of those things became true just because the diminished athleticism his touch around the rim sucks now because i feel like before he was going so fast that he knew how to you know lay it off like he didn't have a ton of touch it was just he was going so fast that when he threw the ball up, it would just go in, and he got used to that. And I feel like now it's just, it's just not the same for him. He's obviously not the same shooter. He hasn't been the same free throw shooter for years now. Um, it's really, really tough for him a lot of times. I don't think he's necessarily bad. It's just there's not a lot of situations that are good for him. Like putting up stats on the Wizards is probably his his best fit these days, which he did years ago. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's really a shame. But uh, yeah, do you have any more Westbrook thoughts? I guess either future what he is today no i'm gonna move on all right that's fair enough um and uh we're gonna yeah we'll we'll, uh we're gonna end this real quick and uh we're gonna go part two where we're gonna finally talk about the sixers so stay tuned for that of course uh and uh thank you for listening to part one all right Part two, still with Sam Giovanni of Clutch Points. Once again, thanks for joining me, Sam, as we're going to talk about Matisse Thibel, who was traded for alongside the uh, the Hornets pick, 
for Jalen McDaniels and two future seconds that should be of worse quality, one's from Portland in 2029. Now, who knows? I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what Portland's going to look like in 2029, but probably not a pick where really going to is going to be relevant to us at any point. Uh, and the, the Knicks pick, so we'll see. I think believe that's in 2024. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, I was disappointed with this trade. Uh, I'm Thibel was probably my third favorite player. I also thought he was a lot better than most people thought. Uh, a lot of potential still, despite him being a little bit older. I really think when he was given consistent playing time, it started to look like he was turning things around. Uh, it's a shame to go get rid of him, but I also think the big reason we do this, we got a trade exception, which is, of course, because we are ducking the luxury tax by trading for Jalen McDaniels, who makes around 1.7 million compared to Fibles, I believe 4 million roughly. Uh, well, I guess it's just 1.7 more than what McDaniels makes. But anyway, um, I don't know. I, I, I can get into why I was disappointed, but you, you wrote about this. So feel free to read the article. Same with, uh, the self exam, which we're also going to talk about, but what were your thoughts on, on the trade? To, to me, this just feels like the most lateral move. Like, I was not as, I'm not as high as Matisse as you are anymore, but I still recognize the value that he brought to the team and how, you know, despite his <clears throat> shortcomings, they played really well in his minutes. And we'll get into it later. Like, the Celtics game is just one of those examples of how, like, he's still able to impact the game. And at, he like, was playing crunch time level. for us, which is crazy right. that we're training for Jamie McDaniels, who I'm – like 95% sure Doc's never going to play him because he's never heard of him before yeah, until, gonna, until earlier today. He doesn't have his favorite, uh, Doc's favorite stack going for him. He's yeah, he doesn't have age. He doesn't uh, have age. Yeah, I, I was really, maybe we should have traded for, uh, I don't know, uh, Jeff draw. Green. Someone older. Jeff Green would have been a good one. Yeah. Um, Michael Green, NEJ Green. Yeah. But anyway, maybe like, yeah. Um, I, I like Jalen McDaniels. I think he's like a, a solid player. Yeah. Um, I, I don't mean to, to like, poo-poo him he's he's good uh yeah. i liked him a lot as a draft prospect too but uh i liked matisse a lot more yeah i think like for what they needed like matisse is in this weird place where he was like a trade chip but also like the his contract situation and just like the value he has in his team it was kind of like harder to move on from and get an upgrade and mcdaniels could be he's taller he's shown like he he's had above average shooting seasons from three twice, I think, in his career. But but not this year. But, but and not it's this all, year. And this is the year he's doing it on the highest volume. So right. he uh before was he's a career thirty four percent three point shooter. Uh the previous years two attempts per game, two point two attempts per game, and one point five attempts per game. Now he is playing more minutes this year and he's jumped up to three point six, but he's only shooting thirty two percent from three. Yeah. And even if he does like bump those percentages up with like a better team around him, he's still not going to be looked at as like a high volume shooter or floor spacer. I think defensively it gives them a little bit more versatility, maybe just because he's bigger. But like I still yeah, think but they really need a wing that can play defense. Well, he is. Isn't that I, he no, is? I know, but but he but some I don't think he can defend three like the quicker. I I, I trust. Let's say I trust Matisse Thibel to defend Jalen Brown more than I trust Jalen McDaniels. Uh, if if you get what I'm saying out of that, my yeah. my other problem with McDaniel's I should mention went to San Diego State, uh, so basically Kawhi Leonard, but but went to San Diego State and then was drafted by the Hornets. So basically, he's not played an or an important game since high school. I presume I don't even know. Maybe he went to some terrible high school too, but like he hasn't been in meaningful games. I don't really trust the stats. It's kind of like when the Sixers were trading Michael Carter Williams and Evan Turner and Spencer Hawes, like 
you know, they're going to, yeah, McDaniels averages 10 points, but he played on the Hornets. So, you know, I, I don't, I still think he's kind of a spaz on offense. Uh, just, a, uh, I, I don't think he's very good. I, I don't hate him though. Like it's just really Matisse, I think had a clear role. He knew what we had to do with the exception of improving from shooting from three. And I don't believe that's the case. I think there's an argument that we could have just been playing Matisse Thibel this entire time instead of PJ Tucker and getting the same exact thing, if not more, uh, as PJ Tucker has refused to take threes from anywhere but the corner and maybe is still injured. Who knows? Um, I don't know. I, I All this to duck the tax so he can buy the rival, just to have rivals in every sport. Josh Harris, of course, ducking yeah. the tax, doesn't have enough money, can buy, can buy the commanders. Uh, and can own the New Jersey Devils, but but man, is he not making enough money? He really has to to avoid that tax right there. That that scary repeater tax. To 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 me, this felt like a trade that was more quantity over quality. Though even though I feel like there's a chance McDaniel's could be better, there isn't like an obvious like even if he is better, he's still just going to be what Matisse is, a guy who he's can not as chaotic, I guess. Goals. He's not as chaotic, and that could be both good and bad, but overall, he's still just, like, a bench wing who's, like, kind of young and athletic. Like, that's mostly what Matisse is. And the second-round picks, like, yes, they gave up one and got two, but the pick that they gave up is probably going to be, like, the 33rd pick this year. Right. That's my bigger problem. I think we we gave up the two best assets. (laughs) Yeah. It's a protected pick – or not protected, but, like, it's the most favorable of the Hornets. Unless the Nets go on, like, a really weird nosedive. Like, they probably won't even catch the Hornets still because they're still – like, they were too good earlier in the year. But So it's probably going to be a really good pick, like – unless the Knicks implode like next year. And even if they do, that pick probably isn't going to be that high. And then 2029, like that's so far away. Like we don't know like what Portland's going to look like. Like you said, they probably gave up the best two assets and this would have been fine if they had, you know, like obviously it, 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 it really just feels like it more so accomplished their goal of ducking the tax more so than actually improving the team. Just like, so dumb. Just now, now... Especially because they didn't do another trade for a backup center. Like it just really feels like they, didn't want to be too aggressive. If something fell into their lap that worked, they would make it. And this is kind of what ended up happening. Gives them an upgrade and gets them under the tax. Potential upgrade and gets them under the tax. Yeah, and while we're talking the tax, um, because there's really no basketball advantage unless it makes Josh Harris more inclined to spend money on the team uh, in other areas. And that's where I'll say, I will forgive all of this if he fires Glenn Rivers tomorrow and uh, replaces him with literally anybody. Uh, but other aside from that... Uh, Probably, you know, not going to do a whole lot with that savings besides putting a better, more competitive bid with Jeff Bezos. You know, he's really chasing Bezos right now for for the for the commanders. Uh, so he can own rivals with every Philly sports team. Um, he might so as well really... buy the Boston Celtics too. He should. I, yeah, I, just, just I know Boston and I know the Red Sox and Phillies aren't rivals, but like Boston Philadelphia are rivals. So. Yeah, exactly. Just just go everywhere. Uh, yeah. So. I think it speaks to the competency of the Sixers or incompetency of the Sixers, uh, this deal. I can't really blame Daryl. I feel like I always escape blaming Daryl. I don't think he's very good. I think this is more of a creative, like, I don't think he's as good as he used to be. Uh, I don't think he's very creative anymore. I don't think he does a whole lot, honestly. Like he's, he's just got the main thing of the, the reason why we have Daryl is, is the Harden Simmons trade. Like that was a very skillful, uh, negotiation to hold on to Harden make or hold on to Simmons, make that decision to trade for Harden. Uh, obviously has panned out now. I was wrong when I said earlier, I think believe earlier in this year that I would still rather have Simmons. Obviously I've completely turned on him. Think he's the worst contract in the league. 
um still just uh i can't i can't anyway i can't blame daryl too much i think a lot of this is on doc and i think a lot of this is on josh well if it's on doc should it also be on him like i know that well he didn't hire doc 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 was there before him him. yeah but he still does have the authority to make. Do, does he though? They gave Doc a huge contract before I, they hired Daryl. I, I I would argue that ownership does not want him to get rid of Doc. Uh, fair enough. I, I I don't know. I I'm not. I don't have inside sources. I you know I'm not. I'm not claiming to know. It's just, you know, he you're he reading was, the tea leaves, and it, and it makes sense. Yeah, it's just, and why else would they duck the tax <laughs> like this wasn't like the warrior the warrior situation is like the first time i've ever actually sided with they the saved billionaire. like 130 dollars yeah. million dollars by trading james by trading one of the worst players in the nba it was like <laughs> all right yeah i guess we'll give up on james wiseman for five second round yeah. picks like yeah i i i have a lot of worse than the nba i've been given around uh today but wiseman and ben simmons are legitimately two of the worst players in the nba uh but the Warriors are like the only time I would side with it because that's the extreme. It's like 130 million. It's like I could definitely see why an owner would be more inclined to to spend if he saves 130 million this year, you know, or whatever next year. Uh, implications of that. I don't know. Um, I don't want to. I'll criticize them more as they go on, probably. But in terms of just an actual trade, like it's it's whatever. It won't affect the main thing, uh, main ethos of the team. However, we still do not have a backup center. And granted, the Bulls might have been asking too much for Drummond, so that's fine. And I think we can probably get Nerlens on the buyout market. Uh, he was, of course, not moved. The Sixers were rumored to have interest. He made $9 million, so it never made much sense that we'd have interest in him, like, in a trade. Uh, yeah. But on, as a buyout, I think he's a perfect candidate. Uh, I actually like him, unlike Montrez. Nerlens is also diminished athleticism, though. So kind of interesting. But, I mean... If I was six foot eight, I'd probably be an upgrade over Trez. So I, I would like to think that of Nerlens as well, uh, given that he's taller, still probably more athletic, and uh, does something where Trez does nothing. So uh, I I think Nerlens is is the first buyout big that comes to mind. Do you have any others on the the potential buyout market? I mean, there's other players yeah. that might get bought out, but yeah. I don't know. I think it kind of still depends. Like, we don't know who yet is, like, going to be totally available. Nerlens, I think, definitely will be. I did see a report that they're going to buy him out if they couldn't trade him. So it, it would make sense. They really, like, I mean, I feel like most of the bigs are just going to be, like, traditional size, like, defensive guys. If they don't get one of those guys, it's going to be extra hilarious. Yeah. I feel like they will. Well, right like, now they, they have a traditional, like, 1942 power forward <laughs> in that he's – you know, doesn't do anything, and he's just yeah. like kind of tall. But yeah. but I think Nerlens makes sense of. for the mold that they need. I think Cam Birch, um, if the Spurs decide to buy him out, um, I think would make sense. Yeah. Um, again, I think we still need to see like more names, but it's kind of like interesting just to see like guys like Michael Scala, and Mo Bamba got moved for like very little. So obviously, like maybe someone like Drummond, they were asking too much for. Vanderbilt was included in that deal. Kelly Olenek, I think it would have worked out. Maybe the Jazz just weren't going for that. Either. Hey, they need but their white guys. That is true. Um, they only have two others. But yeah, yeah, I think Nerlens makes sense. Um, his uh, Drummond, I felt like made a lot more sense. Like the money worked out, and it sounded right. Like and he's really a, he's better be than Nerlens for sure. And he's better. He's definitely better than Nerlens, especially like right now. Like, and when he was asked about coming back to the Sixers potentially he was much more enthused about it than Nerlens. the I, I I didn't even see that to be yeah the so I am a credentialed reporter but there are two tiers of credentials at, hmm? 
brag about nothing just no yeah uh well it's not really bragging because i i'm in the like i'm in tier two which is what it's called and because there are only so many reporters allowed in the locker rooms at one time there's tier one and tier two so because i'm a newbie i'm not in tier one any tier so yeah but the tier one guys um when they asked Nerlens and andre respectively like when the bulls and pistons respectively came to philly like what do you think it sounded like drummond gate and you could probably like I could probably send you these links because of Kai Carlin from Sixers Wire. I'm pretty sure you wrote about it. But mm-hmm. Drummond sounded way more enthused about returning to the Sixers than Nerlens did. Which Again, is interesting because there's like one question at the beginning of a game, yeah. maybe Nerlens still wants to. Like Well, you know, yeah, because it takes two to tango on the buyout market. Right. So that that is very important piece of information. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm being honest. I would sign Dwight Howard out of Taiwan over over Montrez, like i don't care i would yeah. there are probably i i think i Especially might rather see simmons to play him with and matisse like i feel like yeah. the team around him like would fit way better especially him playing that, that's how i felt about yeah. drummond too not that drummond was playing with simmons but he wasn't playing with harden who yeah it would presumably work very well assuming doc rivers ever wants to play james harden with the bench unit you know i know he really likes that tyrese maxi who's not a great passer to Montrez harrell who can't do shit connection but you know uh, whatever maybe get the guy who's a great passer to maybe get more out of the other scrubs but it's fine uh doc can doc can just be doc no adjustments doc as blake griffin uh apparently affectionately refers to him that was I, a great clip a lovely co- love blake griffin i i would say come to philly but then you'd be coached by doc rivers and i don't wish that upon anybody so <laughs> um anyway uh, I think, you know, in terms of trades and just in general, what they did on the market, I think that kind of wraps it up. I, however, I will quickly mention we got, uh, or Bones Highland, who I was interested in. I thought he was going to cost more. He was essentially just traded yeah. for two second round picks. And I think he's better than Shake Milton and he's cost controlled. I would have done Shake Milton in two second round picks. I actually compared him to Shake Milton out of college, but Shake Milton's about to be a free agent. Uh you know, I think they're pretty similar players, but I think Bones is a better shooter for sure. Uh, would have loved to have gotten involved in that. However, the Clippers got him, which I thought was a great move by the Clippers. Uh, I don't know if there's something I'm missing with Bones Highland. It seemed weird that the Nuggets were so... Uh, Quick to get rid of him. Yeah, yeah. His so, defense must be just like that bad and maybe well, he's really getting but... along in the locker room. But yeah, I really don't know why they were so like eager to do it and why they settled for what they did. I do not get it. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about Bones Highland, but just that it would have been a nice addition. There's probably a few other trades I could probably loop in there, but the, that one stood out the most to me, especially because I don't think Shake's getting re-signed because Josh Harris wants to buy the Commanders. Um, other buyouts. He's a Sam-led uh, franchise, you know? Yeah. I think Nerland's is the most likely. Sorry, I'm talking Commanders. Josh Harris is Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I think Nerland's the most likely bio candidate in terms of having mutual interest. I know he seemed less enthused, but he I think he would be the backup center as long as we send Montrez on a trip to Belize. But, uh, you know, uh, John Wall, I'd be sort of interested in. I don't think he'd have any interest because he'd just be th- a fourth point guard and he'd be uh, playing for Doc Rivers, which, you know, don't wish upon anybody, as I said. And he's just... He hasn't had a good year with the Clippers. I don't know why he would help us, but I, I don't know. I, I've always I've loved John Wall. Of course, he's not the same player he once was, but I think it would be interesting, especially adding a passing element because the only guy who can pass on the team very well is is Harden. So Wall would come in and probably be the second best passer on the team. 
Yeah. I, I think it would be interesting to see him and Maxi work together to have Maxi probably more favorable situations off the ball. But yeah, like you said, Wall is he, he's kind of getting cooked, unfortunately. Yeah, um, he was incredible to watch in his prime, and it was definitely due to injuries. Like Westbrook, a lot of it's just athleticism. No, Grant Westbrook's had a lot of. Well, I mean, John Wall is too. He's just had so many injuries over the years too that I'm sure his he's not the you know spot chicken he used to be. Yeah, no, he, I mean he's not even close. But um, it, I think at the very least it would be fun. I don't think there's any chance it happens, but interesting. Another one I think uh, one I think is more likely. Will Barton got bought out. Now, Grant, we're recording this 6:45 on Thursday. I don't know if there's been any. Uh, he got bought out like right before, or you know, rumor that he was about to get bought out. I don't know if they said he's joining any team, but. As a guy, I know he's more of a two, but we were kind of looking for wings. He kind of fits something that could be useful on the team, uh, considering we don't really have anyone like that. But, um, you know, I could see why he wouldn't want to do it. He, a lot, of, I think a lot of times people forget buyout guys are a lot of times looking for paydays. I don't think Will Barton, you know, if he's not going to be in the rotation consistently, like why would he come here? Uh, so, I don't know. Do you have any Will Barton thoughts? Uh, that I'm not too interested in him on the Sixers. That That's I don't think he's very good. I just think it would be nice depth. Um, but you know, yeah. All right. Um, that'll wrap it up for trade deadline talk. I'm gonna talk about. We're now we're gonna actually talk about basketball. We had a pretty big game against the Celtics. We had game against the against the shorthanded Knicks. Shorthanded Celtics too. Still couldn't win either of them. Uh, we're not gonna talk about the Knicks though. We'll just talk about the Celtics because whatever we'll stick we'll keep the misery to it a short even though you're you know knicks fan got to see your childhood team and then you also got to see the new york not just kidding um but (laughs) uh yeah celtics celtics i mean it was a game it was so obvious very early in that game i was like we're losing this game even though they were not at full strength it was just you could tell the way it was going the Sixers look like they need the all-star break more than any other team. I would argue they just look so lethargic. And ever since the Nuggets game, everyone's been lethargic. It's not just one single player. Maxi, I, at first I thought it was maybe coming off, you know, coming off of injury now. It might, and maybe it's a combination of coming off the bench, but I don't know. He's been bad for a pretty long time now. I think it's important to note that I don't think he's this bad, but he's had a really rough stretch. He could really use yeah. maybe Starting some time off. But... game has not been very good for him. Yeah, so I don't know. Do you want to give your quick th- any quick thoughts on the Celtics game? Um, it was yeah. I mean, it was definitely a game where they had a chance. Like it had the potential to be a potent, uh a statement game, but then so many guys were injured, and then Jalen Brown got hurt mid game. Like it was just like almost a lose lose situation. Where like obviously, if they won the game, that would have been great, but it wouldn't have come Still off the like Celtics. a statement game, yeah. right? They ended up losing, of course, because the Celtics just got caught fire from three they let you know they obviously made it intentional as Blake Griffin noted after the game to like leave him open from three and he made them pay Sam Hauser went four for four or something Grant Williams like some of the shots were like contested well like they definitely nah. had, like, one of those really good shooting nights but the sex the I don't, six, I don't, six were so larger they're passing up open threes they're uh PJ Tucker uh doesn't shoot from anywhere why is he even anywhere about yeah. the corner he's not going to shoot up there it, it's you might as well just have me sitting at half court on the on the team like yeah it makes no sense how they're using pj tucker and i really liked how doc was using him in in the preseason i don't know if it's because of that injury that he's been allegedly having i don't know if it's just because he's had a rough season we don't know what to do with him but he has been terrible and doc has no idea how to use him and it's so frustrating because his entire life corner threes i don't know yeah and even like and while the celtics were having like a great night. The Sixers so many times like passed up open shots. There was that Tobias one. Mostly too. 
Yes, there was one that one possession where Tobias had like an open shot with Tatum like, he, did it, like two or three. And he decided to like step back and they like, throw it out to Harden. Yeah, so and that was one of my other instances like that. That it was just, one of my like, biggest notes too. I, I've given Tobias a really big break. I've actually really enjoyed how he's played this season, but he's he's full on. I feel like back to his yeah, old ways. He's running back, and he's I don't I don't care about passing. whether they go in or out. But he's just it's like passing up open threes, and he's they're passing up open threes when there's like three seconds on the clock. It's it's like what are you going to do in three I, seconds? I felt like he was he's been leaning towards more like taking the ball himself instead of like catching and shooting right. fire quickly. And I didn't mind it as much because even though he was taking some of his like mid range faders, a lot of them were decidedly like getting right to the hoop, which admittedly is probably a better shot. Than now he's posting off mid range shot. Right, he's not posting up like stopping the ball. He's getting the ball and at least going to the hoop. But yeah. now like if he's gonna you know if he's not gonna get back to the quick catch and shoot guy that he was to start the year. Um, his points per game is already down to like 16 or something last I checked, which yeah. obviously you're not expecting him to go for like 20 or whatever. It's more so like the spacing he provides for everybody else. Yeah. But that aspect of his game has not been good recently. It's just because teams can just play off of him and like, and and PJ because they know sometimes PJ will still pass up corner threes too. I talk about the above the, he doesn't look at the rim when he's above the break, but Never. even in the corners, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll just occasionally just like not take it. And I, I, I don't know. It's very frustrating. Uh, the defense also, we, we double on everybody. We're doubling Tatum for almost no reason. The reason you have a guy like Matisse Thibel, which we no longer do, so whatever, maybe we're planning for post-trade deadline how we're going to play defense, but the reason you have a guy like Thibel is because you can just put him on that guy and slow him down, and then the other guys don't have to help and rotate as much anymore. I really don't know. I you know, I think it's so easy to blame the coach, but I think it's never been more clear than in the stretch that, uh, and maybe it's not Doc Rivers, maybe it's on Dan Burke as well. But don't care on both of them, at least. Uh, and it is just a horrendous coaching effort. And I want to talk about the incompetency in general. Look at Isaiah Joe. And he's a guy, before the draft, I thought he was better than Maxi. That was wrong. I, I was wrong about that. But I was right in that he was a good player. And the fact that I can see he was a good player at Arkansas, and then the Sixers can just bench him for three years when they desperately needed shooting. They had Ben Simmons on the team. Uh, he just, Isaiah Joe never played, and now he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league, and he's a, one of OKC's building blocks, maybe? Yeah. And we just cut him because we wanted to avoid the luxury tax more. Just a absolute <clears throat> shit show from the organization, honestly. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of it's on Doc, because I'm sure if Isaiah Joe had shown that he was a useful rotation player, he would have made the team. I don't think we would have cut him if he was, like, a valuable contributor. Uh, maybe we don't bring Trezin, which, great, would have been a double upgrade. But it was the fact that we caught him and he's now a useful player. It stings, but it's also just like, I don't know. It just speaks to, is this team, can you really win a title if your owner is trying to duck the tax in the years where you're a quote unquote contender? And when your coach has no interest in playing guys, even in when they're clearly cooked like Montrez Harrell, he, every time he brings in a young guy, this was, he never gave Isaiah Joe a chance. Now Isaiah Joe's awesome. He'd be one of the most more valuable players on this team, to be quite honest. Like he's more valuable than Shake Milton right now, because at least he's under contract, uh, which the Thunder were smart to do. B ball Paul's probably a useful backup center, but he plays essentially five minutes a game. And if Doc doesn't like what he does in that five minutes, he yanks him and then never plays him again. We've seen B ball Paul be good in the playoffs. It last year because he was forced to play because we didn't have any other centers. He was better than DeAndre Jordan. We still refused to play him. I don't understand what is going on with Doc Rivers. I mean, I get it. He's, he's old and washed, and he's never actually been that good. He's Tom Thibodeau, but had a luckier run with the Celtics when he beat the Pau Gasol-led uh, Lakers, of course. But uh, I, I mean, 
just in, honestly embarrassment from Doc Rivers. I hope he's fired so badly. Brett Brown was such a better coach, and it was something that I I liked Brett a lot, and I wasn't as high on Doc Rivers. The more I've seen them, though, I've gone stronger in the polar opposites. I didn't think Brett Brown was that good of a coach. Maybe he's not. Maybe I'm just used to Doc being this horrendous. I'm not trying to get you in trouble, by the way. I know Doc's already going to yell at you and be be scary, but th- these are my opinions, not yours. Uh, yeah, yeah. He is the worst, and I I can't I can't have him coaching this team next year. I I can't do it. No, I your frustrations are justified. I, I won't say I like completely endorse them because I do have to see him, you know, face to face multiple times a week. But I do understand the room that he has to grow and how so many of his like, you know, whether it you know the decisions to not play certain guys has led to the front office either like maybe they were going to cut them anyway or they were just like, well, Isaiah Joe's not playing, might as well get this open roster spot for later. Like I think if Doc had you know led and you know given Joe more confidence, he would have shown his value and probably would have still been here, and it would have been tough for him as like a limited you know guard to play amongst the other guards that they have. But still, his shooting like it's clearly valuable for the Thunder. It would have been very valuable for the Sixers, who could really use a movement shooter. Um, his you know like he obviously made that great adjustment to put PJ on Jokic, but other than that, don't so- even and and we I talked about this in the last spot. Didn't even think I it was a good adjustment for sure, but I didn't think it was like galaxy brain shit where it's like oh my god i couldn't i would never have thought of putting pj tucker like it made sense because aaron gordon just cuts all the time so you can just have him beat close to the rim and then you know i'd rather have two guys on Jokic when you don't need to guard aaron gordon that much than that one i don't know whatever yeah but also like yeah and you know obviously again that that was good but it just feels like so many other times he just leaves decisions that he could have made on the table and so many times after games and sometimes before but mostly like after he'll say things that are like indicative of like the team not playing well, but he won't like reflect that some of it is like partially his fault. Like if guys play lazily and they don't give a shit, that's not up to him. He doesn't need to motivate guys to play well. But if there's certain, you know, if, if you have, if you ever said to like lack of preparation, I'm like, well, don't you see like that's reflective on you? Like if guys don't have great shooting nights, if they're, you know, mind isn't in it or whatever, and they don't play well, that's not his fault. But so many things is he'll like kind of admit to things that like, are kind of his fault and it like you know it and doesn't learn from them or do questions. anything differently like, yeah it's just so like i'm like don't you like well, the, I don't know. the motivation thing's interesting because i i would say that's probably his calling card too as people are like oh he holds right. people accountable and, players and whatnot and and i agree with you like if the players don't show up i'm not going to be like you know they're, they're professionals that that that's on them that's kind of right you know i want like look at the lakers as i previously mentioned like davis doesn't show up but you know, Westbrook, whether like him or hate him, he would play hard every game. And like that does that's to me that's not indicative of Darvin Ham or or Frank Vogel even the year before. Like it, it's just the players do what they want. Uh but it's just crazy because he's seen as this motivator, but this team looks lethargic. And then no one is gonna call him an expert in X's and O's, which leads me to the question, what does Doc Rivers do? And that's rhetorical, I'm not gonna make you do that but i i legitimately have no idea i think he's just i think actually think he's worse than tom Thibodeau. though we've been losing to to teams that are not at full strength we lost to tom Thibodeau. twice in the three matchups this year at least yeah technically to go three for four on um friday yeah it seems like tibbs is at least uh, and that's the other thing too now that we don't have Thibel, i pray we never run a zone again because our team isn't very yeah. good at running zone 
it was just Thibel was really that good. That was another thing. Doc would like go zone when Matisse, like, I mean, obviously he would play some zone with Matisse in, and because Matisse thrives in that open space, he was good. But there were so many times where he would play zone without him and then just only go man with him. <laughs> I, I, I don't, un- and, whatever. And not to harp on Doc, but even Tibbs is coming around to playing younger guys. Like so many of the guys in the McBride's mix, actually you know, right now. Now, again, part of too. that is because the front office just has so many of these young guys, but he's not forcing Evan Fournier and Derek Rose into the rotation when they don't have to right. be. Right, right. And, and, and Rose is his guy. This entire young lineup, it's like when it's fully healthy, you know, Jalen Brunson and uh, Julius Randle are in their primes. Mitchell Robinson is kind of approaching his prime, but he's still young, and so is RJ and Quentin Grimes, and then quickly still plays a lot. Deuce is probably going to lose minutes to Josh Hart, but he played a good bit. Obi plays, doesn't play enough. Yeah. Some Knicks fans like Kings, but... Well, he's not He's not young player, right. though. He's, he's 38. He's a doc player. Obi is a doc player. Yeah, he's yeah. He's 39 years old. But still, like, he plays in Hart and Sons younger, but yeah. Not to harp on Doc. More so Tom Thibodeau actually doing something kind of good and saving... I, well, and I agree with you, and I would still say, I don't think Tom Thibodeau is a good coach. That, that That's agree. my thoughts on Doc Rivers, <laughs> because <laughs> I think he's worse than him. But, uh, I mean... Whatever. I it's I don't think it's gonna happen. I also just Josh Harris, please sell the team. I know he's not because he wants to own teams, but I mean if you're gonna He wants really fan bases that have infighting. He he loves the toxicity. Win a championship and the money will come. I, I whatever. Uh, be competitive. I, I don't understand it. I mean I'm not a billionaire, so I guess that makes sense. But um I don't want I don't know how much buy in he has to the Philly region and I don't know how exactly the money works, but how he is seeing like like if he's not fully committed, like it always, you should be committed to a championship mm-hmm. if you're an owner, no matter what. But especially seeing like the Eagles and Phillies upshine in your team, like shouldn't that like, add a little more? To, more in more a to year the where before like, the year for each individual sport, you would have said the Sixers have the best chance of right. any of those teams to win a title, and then the Phillies made the World Series. The uh, Eagles are in the Super Bowl. Eagles are in the Super Bowl. Yeah. One Wild. little side of thing that's like way outdated, but people suggesting that like firing doc was akin to like firing joe girardi and that would have been the same thing is i did not get that comparison it literally only well, i i get it because and i get it but like there are a lot of similarities different to win and there there are some similarities but like it's so much harder to win in the playoffs in basketball than in baseball like oh no certainly but i think hard. i think it would have been you're firing the overrated like right red no, coach for the the assistant I, I wouldn't say rob thompson's a hot assistant but as you know, if we fired him, I think Sam Cassell would have been head coach, and a lot. And Sam Cassell is getting, I yeah. guess, rumored. You know, him, Dave. Ye- well, I mean, I guess Dave Yeager would be a retread, but you know, him, Yeager, whatever. He has well-respected assistants, Dan Burke, even. Um, I, whatever. Um, I think I'm in. Infer- There's even more that I have to say, but I'll just leave it at that. I think it's pretty clear where I stand on a lot of th- issues, given what I just said. So, um, do you have any other uh, things you want to touch on before we get out of here? One thing that will be very interesting, uh, Dave Early from Liberty Ballers noted this at some point during the day. And it's a very interesting stat because everyone was kind of talking about how the Sixers, like, obviously their winning streak was very good. The fact that they've won, like, you know, their great record recently is awesome. But it came against some not-so-impressive teams. Now the Sixers are the only team with 29 games, and obviously this will change after the games tonight. The Sixers are the only team with 29 games remaining. Everyone else plays less, and they have the hardest opponent winning percentage. So yeah. they could very much – I don't think they're going to fall into the play-in. 
I could very much still see them being a top four team. Yeah, even top four I think they team, will be. I, I think they really need the all-star break is what I'm saying. Like even Joel, who we were just saying, like carry us, it, you know, he's been battling those injuries. And right before the Nuggets game, he went off. And I think ever since then, it just doesn't look like he has a ton of juice. He was actually pretty good against the Celtics, but he just. He was good, but he tailed off hard in the second yeah, half. Yeah, like Harden he doesn't, he doesn't look right. Celtics, which is kind of good. I mean, I, and they had Marcus Smart in the first game, at least. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I. It, it's going to be an interesting struggle. Uh, we'll get to it later and i you know i i don't want to really talk about it, but i guess i should also mention uh with durant not being in the all-star game i guess and beat starting right yeah and, and harden should be the first injured replacement right most sense like if you're going to give a team like i mean i feel also like other... interesting that two eastern starters were traded west mm-hmm. and like i don't know how they do but i know they don't really play i don't think the conference matters because you draft the teams anyway but no i I know but but they voted them in based off conference so are they gonna do they have to i mean Embiid would be the logical regardless of conference but like are they gonna put in an east guy now that Kyrie? i don't know my that would be my guess and i think like a lot a a good amount of the like um all-star snubs are guys that are either like on a pretty bad team or like the second fiddle on like another good team like Jalen Brunson but I feel like Harden like with the value he's gotten to one of the top three teams in the conference and I I don't know if they're still top five in the league but they're up there like I think yeah. he just makes the most sense as the injury um replacement and for Embiid to move up to the starting lineup I, I want to really quickly touch on that uh very quickly I but Harden, I I do agree. He, I think you can make the argument he was snubbed. A, I I do hate when people don't say who he should, who they should replace. Like people just like whatever. Bleacher Report will be like, I'll snub lineup. It's like, all right, well, who would you take out for them? Like, if you're gonna say he was snubbed, tell them who you should get in over. Uh, I think all the guys that got in over him have an argument over Harden. I don't really have a huge issue with it. I would have put Harden in over Halliburton, maybe Drew Holiday as well. Uh, there's probably one other too, but. Like, when I look at Drew Holiday, I, I do think he's a better player right now. In all honesty, I know the stats wouldn't show it. Harden definitely has better stats, but Drew Holiday is one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, I think he should have been over DeMar. That's the obvious Yeah, DeMar, DeMar is the one I was blanking Drew, on. Drew, uh, like, you can argue is, you know, you can argue Harden is better than Drew, but Drew is really good and on one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it over Drew, but definitively over Halliburton. And he's just doing a better version of what Halliburton's doing on a better team. And, uh, and definitely over Demar. Who again? They're DeMar. all very good. But... I'd rather have Tyrese Halliburton, but yeah. in terms of this year how they're playing, give me Hall or give me Harden over Halliburton. But mm-hmm. I, that that's really all my thoughts on that. I, I I thought it was pretty. I don't. I also don't famously. I hate James Harden, so I don't really give a shit if he makes the All Star team or not. But uh, in terms of if we're being objective, I, I don't think it was that big of a snub as what people were making out to be. Fair enough. Anyway, and there were also by the way, All Star lineups, All Star teams should be fifteen. And normal NBA teams are 15 players. Why are all stars? Yeah. And especially because Reddick made up the point. How, like, well, how the Reddick made the point how the league yes. expanded and it used yeah. to be whatever like the percentage was like nearly it was double. A now, percentage granted, of all stars. Yeah, I don't. Well, I, I'll. I would expand to 15. I wouldn't go like crazy though. No, but what, no, 15 is fine because it's what a normal team has. So it's what you know yeah. the all star teams should have. It is wild all, just looking at these guys. Be snubs, but at least it makes more sense to have like. The same amount of roster spots in the All Star lineup you would have for normal. I'm not yeah. saying they like, All Star two ways. Just make it fifteen. Right. And and I know uh, it's not totally the same, but it is wild to look at like Basketball Reference. This is Drew Holiday's first All Star game since 
being on the Sixers, and yeah. his stats were just so much worse. It just speaks to the league being way more talented, and also like how the era has changed a little bit, more scoring, and whatnot. But like his stats when he made it on the Sixers were not that good. He's put up better stats every year since then. Yeah, and this is his first time back, and people are still saying he doesn't deserve it, which you know is fine. I yeah. I, I could see the argument once again that all that the bottom end of the all-star games you can argue with anyone else but even guys like De'Aaron Fox people are going to look back at their basketball reference page and be like how did this guy not get in <laughs> like I, it's crazy stuff uh with how good the league is and it should be more uh the league's at an all-time at least in terms of quantity of like I don't want to say the top top end talent but like there are a ton of stars in today's game maybe not super super superstars but uh anyway that'll uh I think that's gonna wrap things up you go with that Mm-hmm. all right um thanks for listening thank you to sam dg vani of clutch points please read them there uh of course covering the sixers as well as he writes about other things too it's like colts not just sports as they say that's right uh, that's right <laughs> but uh you know a common theme in sam's employment uh you, you they can find you by sam dg vani on twitter is that the only one you twitter, want to that's right yep um i just got the email from sixers pr darren moore is going to speak tomorrow to the media Ooh. so be on the lookout uh, there, I mean, not super like obviously DM speak, except for the Knicks. One thing the Knicks still do is they will uh, shelter their precious little Dion Rose as much as they can. They won't have media day; they'll have meet content day where they just have like YouTube streams, whatever. But yeah, follow me on Twitter, read my stuff. Um, I'm sure I'll have something about about Daryl Moore tomorrow based on what he says to the media. So yep. yeah, uh, I will definitely uh, be listening. Or, or listening to the thing and can't wait to hear what you have to or read what you write sure. anyway find me on will coffrin of course follow six of mania uh that'll be all thank you for listening until next time don't know when that'll be to be honest but until next time